Hi, I'm Claire Davis from Mental Health Chats, and we're here to encourage people to open up conversations about mental health. Hello everyone, I'm Claire, as you know, from Mental Health Chats, and we are starting a series today on sexual assault. So I would like to introduce um, Nina Malone to you. Hello, Nina, how are you going? Hello, thanks for having me here. Thank you so much for coming and talking about sexual assault, Nina. Um, Nina's going to be speaking to us about feelings of a sexual assault victim. So this is quite a sensitive topic. Um, I found it quite sensitive even doing the research on this topic. It's, it's, it's quite emotional actually. And sexual assault does affect a lot more people than we realize and a lot more people than the statistics show. So first of all, can Nina, would you mind just explaining your situation to us briefly? Yeah, sure. I was sexually abused when I was younger. Um, this was by some family friends, actually. Um, no one knew, so none of the parents knew. Um, it was dressed up as a game. And what's been really difficult for me as I've grown up is when I've talked about it, people say, oh, you know, boys are just boys, or there's loads of testosterone flying around at that age. And it's been difficult for me to give it the weight it needs. But it has affected how I've lived my whole life. So, um, yeah, sex, sexual abuse at, at a young age. And then as I grew up, that kind of affected self-worth. And I found myself in other situations of misconduct, sexual assault. I worked as a model. Um, so I was in a lot of positions where there was a power dynamic, a lot of male photographers, directors, art directors, um, and the whole casting couch pressures of, do you want this job? Well, then you'll do this. Um, so I found myself in situations like that, where there was inappropriate touching, um, to ranging to rape. Really? Gosh, Nina. So what, what common feelings do sexual assault victims experience, Nina? Well, I've made it a mission to speak to as many women and men that I can, just to find connection, really. Um, but what I hear repeatedly, what I feel repeatedly, um, is anxiety. So sometimes anxiety in crowds. So when I was younger, because I am quite tall, I just found it really difficult after those situations to be in crowds and be in crowded spaces. So I used to walk along the back streets a lot. I didn't want anybody to look at me, anybody to notice me. I tried to hide. I'm tall, so I'd often have, I tried to shrink myself. Um, didn't wear makeup. I didn't um, wear any figure hugging clothes. Really just tried to shrink. So I think, um, well, for me, I, I definitely tried to hide a lot and disappear. Um, which again has bled into my adult life. Um, I think intense feelings of feeling dirty, constantly feeling dirty, needing to wash, never not feeling clean. Um, and that dirty feeling can also feel a bit 
well, it's also feelings of guilt and shame that um, we can't quite process, you know, how did this happen to me? How did I let this happen? Did I do something to make this happen? Um, which I've always thought were more powerful for me than the actual physical acts. The bruises, the cuts uh, can all heal um, relatively quickly, but the feelings of shame and guilt that were left over, um, that is a lifetime's work to try and to try and work on that. But um, obviously other technical things, people are either massively interested in sex after that or completely lose all interest in mm. sex. Um, which I've, which I've been on a journey with myself, you know, being really interested in kind of blocking out and thinking, oh, I can do this, this is brilliant. And then other times not wanting anybody to touch me ever. Yeah. Um, which has obviously been very difficult with my past relationships. Yeah, definitely. It would. And as you mentioned, it's a, it's a, a lifetime of healing, really. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, and so many women and men who have been sexually assaulted, um, don't talk about it and feel that shame. Um, That's the hangover. It's the shame and the guilt. It's that voice telling you, I am a bad person. I am not worthy. I am now tainted. I am not whole. It's that that I struggle with daily. And I can see it affect every sector of my life, including my parenting. And I really, really have to be aware of it because um, it affects how I walk through every area of my life. Yeah. So let's think about the people out there who haven't reached out and don't talk about this as, as you do, um, Nina, you're a very, very brave lady. Um, so what practical steps can we take if we're in that situation to rebuild our own self-worth and our own self-care? Because it's, yes. we've got to look after ourselves if we're in that situation. We do. And it's key. And Again, I'm not an expert in this. I am having to do these things myself daily to keep myself on track. So things that I found useful personally for me is really setting intentional time for self-care. And I try and cram everything in. So when I'm having a bath, I've got some Epsom salts in there. I've got some oils in there. I've got a hair mask on. I've got a face mask on. I've got some teeth whitening strips. I'm doing it all. I'm playing some nice music. Or I'm playing a meditation. Or I'm reading a book. And I am blocking off this time, locking the door and protecting it. And, and as a mother and a wife and person who's committed to, to other, other projects, I found it really hard just to take that half an hour and, and it, it feels selfish, but I, I have to do it. And I know after I've done things like that, I come out as a, as a, I know I'm a better person. I'm a nicer person to be around. Yeah. Um, so yes, I'm trying to take intentional time for my um, self-worth. Gratitude diary. So even if you can just think of three things that you're grateful for, three things that have made you smile, three things that have made your eyes light up anything that's happened in the day. And this could be small. I had a great chai latte or I had a great conversation with a friend or I had a really good hug and it, and it felt like it meant something. Because I think going back through your day, remembering those moments helps. Writing them down solidifies them in your brain and reading back over them maybe at the end of the week also just reminds you of all the things that you've got. I have to constantly tell myself everything that I have. Um, again, this is even the small things. Because those, those, those voices of you're not worthy, you're dirty, you're tainted, you're a piece of 
all that negative talk is very, very powerful. It's years of unlearning and program that I have to do. So I have to be massively intentional um, with my nice self-talk. And again, if you can, mirror talk, affirmations, mantras, um, but really just, just the small things, trying to be really nice to yourself, um, trying to remember when that negative talk does come in, we don't have to listen to it. We can hear that thought and we can let it pass. It's not easy, but we can practice with meditation and training to allow that thought to pass through us and not affect the rest of the day, the week, the month, you know, and that can bleed into depression and everything else. But again, I've made a list of things that make me really happy. They make me beam. So foods that I love, smells that I love, songs that I love, things that I love. So if I can feel something coming on, I kind of look at my list and think, right, maybe it's time, I need to play a bit of Stevie Wonder, I need to go sing in the bath, whatever you need to do. Um, <laughs> that's my daughter coming in. Well, my that. son just my... interrupted, so they're all yeah. coming from all angles. Hello. Yes, my daughter reminded me that these are my husband's headphones. Um, oh. So yes, I've got my happy list, which reminds me of all the things that I like to eat smell and again it could just be burning a candle burning some incense um but i think it's asking yourself those questions what does make you happy writing it down so that you can just get it in a moment of crisis ideally before the crisis starts so that you can protect yourself and look after yourself because going back into those dark places of self-loathing and why me um and i'm not worthy and i'm dirty um can just keep the negativity going. And we're really, really trying to build positivity um, and self-worth and know truly that you deserve to be here, that it wasn't your fault. It truly wasn't your fault. And that's the thing I always have to tell myself. Um, yeah. And you are worthy, you're worthy of love. And you know, it has to come from us. Everybody says it has to come from yourself, but it has to come from yourself because no one else can give yeah. that to you. Everything else coming from anybody else, you know, you can judge or it can be taken away. It has to come, you know, from within. So those are all the things that I'm trying to work on. That, you have really hit the nail on the head. So thank you so much, Nina. That is amazing advice. And it's beautiful to see your daughter there as well because <laughs> in her one, of the, outfit. <laughs> yeah, one of the things that we have spoken from is about is um how can we then help our children in situations like this we've got to start educating our children from a young age so what what advice would you give others to teach your children to listen to their gut over being polite because you know we all bring up our children to be polite but actually yeah Would you like yeah I, I think it's I think it's those moments um, when you're you know you're at a family gathering and someone's saying you know go and hug that auntie it, it's rude if you don't do it and the child's like I don't want to do it it's those moments that we have to listen in. And if you don't want to do it, don't do it. You know, you're, you're, we're, we're teaching really mixed messages of, I'm asking you to ignore whatever energy you're getting from this person or, or whatever you don't want to do it and um, do what I say, um, which I think is very, very dangerous. Um, so I'm really trying to teach that niceness does not equal goodness. You need to listen to your instincts because I know 
if I'd listened to my instincts, I wouldn't have been in certain situations. I know that something flagged with these situations that I was in and flagged with these men, but I was like, oh, maybe it was just accidental. He didn't mean to really touch me there. He didn't mean to brush me there. He didn't mean to stand that close. He, um, oh, I generally didn't think he kind of, he, he would do this. I must have misunderstood. Um, and and that's, that, that's the crux of it. Doubting yourself, obviously, which then bleeds into your own self-worth and your own um, self-belief. So I think practical steps are, are using anatomical terms with your children, um, using real terms, vagina and penis, not uh, making it nice or pretty or, 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 or dumbing it down for them because they're, they're more aware than we are in, in most situations. So I think it's giving them the, um, the power to use the proper words, um, making sure they understand um, what, what their body parts do. Um, and I think in general, it's teaching them to listen to their gut and reinforcing that. So when they say, I don't want to do something, listen and understand why and talk around it. It, it may feel you know, too aggressive to say, why don't you want to hug them? But yeah. over the next couple of days, just, oh, so did you not get on with Auntie Claire? Why? What happened? Or have you felt this before? You've felt that before? Massive open-ending questions. Just keep on talking. Obviously, if anything does happen to our child, we need them to come and tell us as well. So we need to keep those, those communications open and keep connected and notice any changes in behavior, any yeah. changes in behavior. And again, not aggressively, but lovingly question it. Um, and just kind of talk as openly as possible. But, but the biggest thing for me, and again, I have to fight against my social norms of not making my children hug that auntie because it does feel rude in my head from my programming. Yeah. But I'm trying to fight and say, if you don't want to do it, please don't do it. This is your personal space. This is your boundaries. If you want to speak to them, speak to them. If you want to say hello, say hello. If you don't, don't. And I will back you up. I need them to know that if anything happens, I'm there. You can come and talk to me. Any situation... I haven't um, thought about sleepovers yet because we're not that age, but in any situation, if you need me to come and get you, I will get you. If you don't feel comfortable, you tell me and I will get you. Um, I want them to feel confident to do that for themselves. I want them to be confident to do that for their, each other, brother and sister, and you know, to be able to call that out in any other situation they see. That could be at the playground, nursery, definitely, any, anywhere. Very good advice. That's fantastic advice. Thank you so much. And Nina, you've got an amazing quote that I would love you to finish on. Um, yes. Because when I read it, I got a little bit emotional. So. Yes, it sums up everything I'm, I'm trying to say a lot more eloquently. We must learn and then teach our children that niceness does not equal goodness. Niceness is a decision a strategy of social interaction. It is not a character, a character trait. People seeking to control others almost always present the image of a nice person in the beginning, like rapport building, charm, and deceptive smile. Unsolicited niceness often has a discoverable motive. That's by Gavin De Becker. Thank you so much. And I'd like to announce the amazing passion that you have and the work that you do with women. Um, yes. So would you like to tell people about this? And I'm going to put the website of Dope Black Mums um, on, on, the, on the, the comments. So if you wouldn't amazing. mind telling everyone about Dope Black Mums. 
yes, so Dirt Black Mums is a digital safe space, a sisterhood, a place where mums, women, black women can get together and just share unfiltered, unmoderated, and be themselves wholeheartedly. Um, so we have a WhatsApp group, we have a private Facebook group. Um, we try and put on free webinars um, for education and just a space where you can connect really. And most importantly, a safe space where you can really truly share and be vulnerable. Um, take off your bra, <laughs> sigh, you know, do whatever you need to do without any judgment. That's amazing work. So thank you very much. And that, that's, that's not your, your real job. That's your extra job. So well done for that. That sounds like it takes up a lot of work. So thank you very much for your time. We are going to be continuing the topic on sexual assault. So my next guest is a man called Derek Bell. And Derek was one of the boys who was assaulted by um, George Ormond, who was convicted in 2018. He was a paedophile. Um, he was actually a coach at Newcastle United with the youth players. So Derek will be telling his story and how to help other men in this situation. So thank you, Nina, um, thank for your you. time. You've been absolutely amazing for opening up and helping others um, who have been in this situation as well. So thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Take care. We hope you enjoyed the chat. If you found any of the tips useful, follow Mental Health Chats. Thank you. Mm -hmm.